0: Produced by the iLab at WBUR, Boston.
1: Welcome to Kind World. I'm Andrea Aswahe. And I'm Yasmin Ammer. So Andrea, we were just having this really interesting conversation ahead of this week's story. We were talking about thoughts versus beliefs.
0: Yeah, and I know this is going to sound a little new agey, but stick with me. We have hundreds of thoughts every day, but we only really accept a few of them as true. And then we add value and emotion to them. And that's what becomes our beliefs. And the problem with that is when we need to change a belief.
1: Yeah, exactly, because they're so hard to change because of the emotional attachment that you've mentioned. You know, and that's actually what this story is about. Sarah Cunningham was born and raised in Oklahoma City. She grew up in a working-class family with four brothers and sisters. She was the social butterfly of the family, or as her mother liked to call her, the goose.
2: And I think she knew that I just had this knack of of sticking my nose in everyone's business. I always wanted to know if everyone was all right, where everybody was.
1: Still, she dreamt of the day she would one day leave Oklahoma behind for someplace bigger, less landlocked, and with more people— like maybe California.
2: I remember in my teens begging my mother to not let me be buried in Oklahoma. Uh, But as I've grown older, I've grown to just really appreciate the city, the sense
1: of community here. That sense of community kept the now 55-year-old Sarah in Oklahoma when she married at 22 and raised her own family. She wanted her two boys, Travis and Parker, to love the same evangelical Christian community she did. I
2: loved church life. I loved our family being plugged in. Uh, We were there every time the church doors were open, and the boys were happy to
1: go. Little by little, Sarah noticed something concerning about her younger son, Parker. He grew more quiet and reserved and tended to spend a lot of time alone. But there's one moment that sticks out in Sarah's mind when she saw a completely different side of Parker. He was five years old, and he came downstairs wearing one of her dresses— and started dancing ecstatically.
2: We were all just kind of taken back by his energy and his excitement. And um, that was my first glimpse of, like, that's different. And from that moment on, I tried to control the situation by, um, well, for example, when we went shopping... I would try to gear Parker towards or steer Parker towards uh, the more masculine things. I encouraged him, um, well, I forced him to join Cub Scouts. I just tried to make Parker a fine young man, (laughs) very masculine.
1: Instead, Parker became shy and anxious. He struggled to speak openly to his mother. But at 21 years old, Parker finally told her, he's gay.
2: I just remember that I had to face the reality in that that moment, in that hour, that I have a gay child. And I truly believed that my son was going to hell. I really did.
1: Sarah spiraled into a depression. And when she tried to talk to her friends at church about it, the conversations were awkward, and she felt isolated.
2: It was painful. We all just became alienated from the congregation. So before long, we just quit going. And I've heard it said that when a child, when a gay child comes out of their closet, the parents often go into theirs, and that's true.
1: There were days when Sarah couldn't get out of bed. On one of them, Parker came into her room to ask if she was okay. And I said, yeah, I
2: just need to figure this out. And he said, I understand that, but I need you to understand that I have sucked it up for 21 years being your son. I need you to suck it up now and be my mom.
1: That moment motivated her to do some soul-searching and research. She began a journey that would change her life forever. Not far from Sarah, in neighboring Arkansas, Tabitha Cash's life was also about to change forever. The love of her life, her girlfriend Marley Castillo, proposed to her on Thanksgiving of 2017. So at first it was really,
3: really, really exciting, and then it set in to me about telling my
1: my mom and my family. Tabitha worried about how her family might react. They were Southern Baptists with strict views against same-sex relationships. Tabitha was close to her four siblings and spoke to her mother nearly every day. She didn't want any of that to change, But she also knew she couldn't keep her relationship with Marley a secret. So I
3: didn't know how to marry her and be as happy as I was right then. Because I knew when we told my mom about the engagement, it's just heartbreaking because it turned into this awkwardness for so long after you were so close for your entire
1: life. Still, the couple continued to plan their wedding, and Tabitha's fiancee Marley asked a close family friend to officiate it. That friend was Sarah Cunningham from Oklahoma. By that time, Sarah, the same woman who struggled after her own son came out, became what she calls an accidental activist. She joined a group of moms with LGBTQ kids and even became an officiant so she could preside over same sex weddings. Tabitha remembers the first time she met Sarah at a get-together in Arkansas. And,
3: I mean, I just immediately, I think we connected, because I'm, I feel like I saw what I want my mom to be in her.
1: Instead of officiating the wedding, Tabitha asked Sarah if she would be her stand-in mother. Sarah said yes. On September 1st, 2018, Sarah stuck by Tabitha's side on her big day, helping her put on her white dress and making her bouquet.
2: It was bittersweet, I felt, for Tabitha, because I know she enjoyed the day, she felt honored and celebrated, but by the same token, um, her mother was not there.
1: Tabitha and her now-wife Marley say Sarah's role as a stand-in mom was so much more than arranging the flowers and helping with the decorations. As a mother who had come to terms with her own son's sexuality, she brought a special kind of support Tabitha really needed. Sarah always gives me
3: hope for my own family. And the fact that she has experienced it and she has experienced every bit of the feelings that my mom is probably going through gives me hope because she figured out a way to make
1: it all work. Sarah says there are so many moments she regrets not being there for her son when he really needed her. But she's here now and she wants to help others in the gay community who are struggling with rejection from their families. She now volunteers to go to other same-sex weddings, if the biological parents won't. She's there as a stand-in mom, and as a symbol of how a deep, unconditional love can change everything. We'll have more after the break.
0: Welcome back to Kind World. I'm Andrea Aswahe. And I'm Yasmin Amr. So, Yasmin, Mother's Day is coming up, and I thought this episode we would give a shout out to the awesome moms and mother figures out there. I am so lucky to have my mom in my life. And she's just the most incredible and compassionate and caring woman in the world. And I look up to her so much.
1: Yes, and for many of us, our mothers are who we turn to for advice. You know, I like to joke that my mother's love language is giving advice, and what it's whether you've asked for it or not, to right. be
0: honest. <laughs> yeah. And so we started this episode with one great mom. And now I want to tell you about a woman whose mission was inspired by her mom, and her name is Mary Latham. Mary's a photographer, she lives in New York, and she remembers how devastated she felt when she heard the news of the 2012 Sandy Hook Elementary School shooting in Newtown, Connecticut.
1: I remember being in the newsroom that day. It was such a dark
0: day in our country's history. Yeah, I don't think it's one we'll ever forget. And she remembers talking to her mother that day, and both of them just kind of grasping for a way to restore their faith in humanity. And that sparked something in Mary. She knew that there was never going to be a way to take that away from that tragedy, but maybe there was a way to at least show the good that people were doing every day.
4: Then it became this mission, which has been two years now on the road, in and out of people's homes that support what I'm doing and collecting these stories of how acts of kindness can change our lives.
1: Two years is a really long time on the road. So, Andre, how exactly does she do it? So she puts a call out
0: on her social media feeds of where she's going next, say, Boise, Idaho, or right here in Boston, Massachusetts. Then she asks if anyone is willing to house her. And she spends a few days sleeping on couches or guest rooms and hearing these stories of kindness from the people around her. And Yasmeen, she has heard some really incredible stories. Here's Mary talking about one of her favorites.
4: There was one woman I met in Virginia Beach and she was a teacher. And she had overheard her students talking before class, and one of them was saying her aunt was on dialysis and really, really well on the list. And the teacher, just after school, went to the hospital and got tested and was a match and donated her kidney to her students.
1: I know one thing that we've realized in the work that we do is that a lot of times these stories of kindness do emerge from tragedies. So it sounds like Mary is experiencing the same thing in her stories as well.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like the parents Mary met who lost their son in a car accident, they established a scholarship to honor him, and they've been able to send nine students to college that way. Or the woman who lost her limbs after a horrible injury, now she volunteers at the hospital to help others who've experienced what she did. Here's Mary talking about her.
4: She said to me, you know, I realized what I got out of the hospital that, you know, I can try to pull the sheets back over my head. Or I can buck up and make the best of it and go out there and figure out what I can do now and how I can help. It's a punch in the face of perspective, I would say.
1: I think hearing these stories of kindness does actually change your perspective because it reminds you that overall people are capable of so much more than they think they are. Yeah, exactly. And that's what Mary Latham
0: says, too. She says this project, which she calls more good, has had this deep impact on her daily life.
4: I think you just become extremely um, empathetic and compassionate towards people. Like, I feel like when I see someone and they're being mean about something, I used to just hate it. I used to think, how can people be mean? Like, why? And then I think as I've traveled further now, I just realize, you know, something's going on. And that's the problem. We're so quick to jump to be furious at the guy that just cut us off on the highway. But it's like always the thought now, like, well, maybe there's some reason behind it. And, and there always is.
1: Okay, so how many states does Mary have left to go on this trip? I think she has a little more than 10 or so left. And what happens when she's done gathering all of these great stories? Mary's plan is to collect them in a book
0: that she would then donate to hospital waiting rooms. And that idea also comes from her mother. As Mary was still in the planning stages of this project, her mother died of cancer. So Mary spent a ton of time in hospital waiting rooms, and now she wants to create something that can bring that hope to other people who may be experiencing some of the worst
1: moments of their lives. So she's trying to pass on a lesson that her own mom taught her, and that's to really remember that there's a lot of good around us. Andrea, thank you so much for sharing the story. Thanks to Mary Latham for talking to us. And if you want to learn more about
0: Mary, go to moregood.today or check her out on Facebook and
1: Instagram. Kind World is a production of WBUR, Boston's NPR station. Paul Vikis and Matt Reed do our sound design, and Iris Adler is our executive producer. I'm reporter and producer Yasmin Namer. And I'm reporter and producer Andrea Aswahe. If you have a story of
0: kindness you want to tell us, email us at kindworld at or find us on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at
1: WBUR kind World. And if you love our work, then please help us out by subscribing to our podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And leave us a review. That will help other listeners find us. Thanks a lot. See you next week.